you're already back at your seats, grab your Bibles, open to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank You for our time of worship so far this morning. And now as we turn our attention and focus to Your Word, we're reminded by Jesus' words in the Gospel of John, sanctify them by Your Word. Your Word is truth. And, and that's our desire, is to be sanctified, to be more and more transformed into the image of Jesus. And we know, Lord, that it's through Your Word and the power of the Holy Spirit speaking truth to us and then enabling and empowering us to apply and respond and be doers of Your Word. So now, Lord, as we open it, speak to us. Uh, corporately speak to us individually where you know each one here and, and where we are and what we need and, and what would be the next step in our walk of uh, faith with you, Jesus. So we love you. Thank you for your word. Give this time to you in your name. Amen. A few years ago when we were still on Saturday nights, I asked a question that we'll start with. And the question was this. Go ahead. Why are you here? Why are you here? And that, 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 that can be, you know, kind of a loaded question, and, and it can apply to uh, people in a lot of different ways, right? The, you can emphasize different words if you've ever done that sort of game, you know. Why are you here? Lovingly, right? Of course, everyone's welcome here, right? Because we want everyone to know Jesus, Amen. So everyone's welcome. In the day. Everyone can come here. We want them to know Jesus. We're going to teach the Word of God. So, yeah. So it's not necessarily like, why are you here? <laughs> right? Right? Uh, why? Why? Right? Why? Why? Why are you here? Here. Right? Because... Uh, the answer to that question really plays out in very practical ways about your attitude, your actions, how you carry yourself from the time you get here to the time you would say, it's, you know, it's time to go home. So, so let me help you. Why are you, go ahead, here at church? Let's, let's help you. Why are you here at this thing we call church? You know, as a youth pastor, <laughs> parents make me, right? Yeah, and, and even in youth ministry, a whole lot of different, different motivations and reasons, right? Parents make me. The girls are cute. The guys are cute. I like the games. I like the music, right? You know, it's cool. This is where the, this is where the cool crowd is coming now. This is the in youth group, right? You know, and some... I love Jesus, right? As a youth group, so I don't want to discount that students aren't coming because they love the Word of God and they want to grow spiritually. And I've learned as a quote-unquote senior pastor that there's a whole lot of reasons in this room. And, and one of my friends told me when I, when I shared with him we were going to start a church, he said, you realize working with, with adults, it's just a big youth group. And four and a half years into this, I'm like, it is a big youth group. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a big youth group. There's a whole lot of dynamic that I learned in youth pastoring that just somehow or another carry right over. 
why are you here at this thing we call church? Why'd you get up this morning? What did you hope to accomplish? Was it just something to check off the list? Was it just, uh, why'd you come? Why'd you come? And then we can even make it real specific. Go ahead. Why are you here at Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship? Right? Why, why are you here at Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship? And, and really, this goes to the heart. It's a heart issue. Now, I asked that question in various settings this week, and, and one of the first answers, and it's not a ran, wrong answer, but one of the first answers was obedience. So, quick survey, if you're brave enough. How many people would say, I come here, I come to church, I come to Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship out of obedience? Everyone's like, what's Doris? Doris, is that right, Doris? Doris's hands up, mine's going up too. Right? One of these times, I'm going to forewarn you. I'm going to have Doris raise her hand for the wrong answer. And you are going to all know it's the wrong answer. But because Doris's hand is up, I'm going to see whose hand goes up. I know it's wrong. I know it's wrong. But Doris! Okay, Doris! Right? Why, why are you here? Here and, and obedience, right? Many would say obedience, and that was the first answer for many people. And I get that, and 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 I don't say that that's wrong biblically, but I I would I would ask you, what do you mean by that? What's the motive for your obedience? Because if we're not careful, and we talked about, you know, we spent a lot of time on grace, and we spent a lot of time on on the guarding our heart, because out of our heart flows everything, including church. Right? And if we're not careful, this word obedience, we can slide it into external compliance. So some people will say, when I ask, why are you here? They'll say obedience. And what they might mean by that really is, well, because I have to. Because God says I have to. And because I have to check it off the list or God's going to be mad at me. For not obeying him. Do you see? Do you see how obedient? And, and I heard that several times this week. And, and I was like, Lord, is that really it? Is that, is that why we're here? Is it, is, it, is it an issue of external compliance and obedience? Is that, is that why we're here at church? And, and as I was thinking about it and, and studying, it really was like, okay, let's take obedience one step further. Where does our obedience flow from? According to Jesus. Who said it? <laughs> it just came right out of you. We say it again. Where does our obedience, where should it flow out of? Love. Love. You see, you can come to church out of obedience, but not necessarily out of love. See the difference? You see the radical difference? If you, come to, if you come to church out of compliance and external check the list off and God's going to be mad at me if I don't, that radically affects your whole demeanor here. He went over again. Can, can this be over so I can check it off? Right? 
And, and then, not only does it affect you this way, it affects you this way. Right? But if you come out of love, oh, is it over already? Oh, I just love this. And so it affects the love flows out this way through worship and, 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 and the Word. And then, you know what? Love flows out this way. Love flows out this way to one another. Right? And, and so you ask yourself, why are you here? What should be the heart answer? Love. Loving God and loving it's love. Out of love flows our obedience in all kinds of vertical and horizontal ways, right? And why is this important? Why is this important? Because if you look at the name of this place, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, right? We have to be really clear about that last word. Words are very important. Why do you come to this place called Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship? fellowship it's very important because just like that motive why are you here if you don't understand the heart behind fellowship your whole experience here what god wants to do in and through you here you can just miss it because you just don't understand biblical fellowship right so let's look in acts go ahead Shai, you can put up the screen thank you acts 2 the early church Acts 2.42. Now, what's really important here is, is uh, this understanding that it's a heart issue and not so much an external issue, right? And that even flows into, and, 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 and I know this is important because, because I've heard this uh, in the past as well. Well, you know, I kind of like the size of our church. I like it small. I mean, this is, this is actually a pretty large fellowship as it is. But, but it's been communicated to me in the past. Oh, I, like, I like our size. I don't want us to grow. I don't want us to grow. And there's a lot of, of, of meaning and I've had discussions with people about why they would feel that way. Right? But let me help you with that whole growth issue. Let, let's, um, let's start in verse 40. Right? The, Peter is speaking. It says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So this whole like small church, mega church thing that we get into these days, the early church started with a mega church. There were 3,000 people right off the bat. Okay, so, so I share that with you because the idea of fellowship isn't really a size issue. It's a heart issue. It's a, it's a heart issue. I pray that we would grow because people are coming to know Jesus and are being discipled. Right? Numerical growth should not affect heart fellowship. We have, to, we have to be careful that we, put these, we don't put these boxes, even for God. It says, God, don't grow our church. Don't grow our church, you know. Us 50 and that's nifty. You know. 
Because if we grow, then we're not going to know people. And it's going to be, you know, all these people coming and going. And, 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 and we, get, we get scared. And we get anxious. And we get nervous about God saving people who want to come to church. Why? Because we have this fear that we're going, we might lose contact. And, and we might use the word fellowship. And my prayer through today and through next Sunday is that we understand biblical fellowship is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. We could be a church of 10,000 and enjoy intimate fellowship with God and one another. You could. It's very possible. Okay? It's very possible to do that, right? So let's keep going. In verse 42, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So what's really interesting in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Most of us latch on to that idea of devotion, right? What's regularly, continually persisting in, steadfastly attuned to, right? Most of us attribute it to the first thing, right? Teaching. Oh, they were in the Word. It was all about the Word. It was all about the Word. They were devoted to the Word. And we're devoted to the Word, right? We're sold out on the Word of God. But that word devoted also goes to the second they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the what? Fellowship. They were devoted not just to the teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. Ah, oh, what does that mean? Does that mean there was a potluck every night? They were devoted to fellowship. Oh, man, it was just like... Social hour, I guess. The early church was just having a good old... Is that what fellowship is? They were devoted to the teaching and to the fellowship. And God blessed that. And they continued to grow, right? In your notes there, fellowship is not just part of a church name. Alright? Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. Sometimes, again, this word has been so watered down that we think fellowship is now just a synonym for church or gathering or... Ojai Valley, well, they didn't want to say Ojai Valley Christian Church. They just put fellowship because, you know, it just means it's a synonym for an organization. That's no, right? Fellowship is not just a location at the church. The fellowship hall. That's, that's, that's not what they mean, right? Fellowship is not just church-sponsored social activities or donuts and coffee after service, Right? Right now, oftentimes you'll say, "Hey, let's go over to the fellowship hall and fellowship." Right? Nothing wrong with saying that, as long as you understand that's not where the period comes in the definition. It's a part of fellowship, okay? Social events, getting to know one another, laughing, retreats, bowling, all that kind of stuff. Those are elements of it. Elements of it, right? And here, fellowship is not just community. And this is really important. You may go, why is that on there? A community as defined as a group of individuals voluntarily choosing to get together. This word community is sort of this hot button now in the church. Right? Community. Let's get together and have community and community and community. Right? You have to be very careful because that, that definition in there is specific. It says, right, a group of individuals voluntarily choosing to get together. This word community really has brought in a lot of the world's values. And we, can be, we have to be very careful because it's a group of individuals. 
See, one of the one of the real challenges we have as a church body, and I'm speaking collectively, not just us, is this individualism. This individualism. What's in it for me? See, when I was when I was a, a, a believer and uh, came to know the Lord, my wife had been attending a, a church in San Diego, and she took me there. And if you were to ask me, why do you go? I would say, well, because she goes. I like the teaching. I like the music. I like the environment. It meets my needs. This church was all about me. It was very, very me-centered, very individualistic-centered. It was what I was getting out of it. And that's crept into... This idea of community. And, and then it was like, you know, I said a group of in- individuals voluntarily. So we have this sense now in the church that you meet my needs and I get to choose whether or not I want to engage with you. So church, pastor, meet my needs. And then based on how well you do that, how well you preach, how well the music sounds, what your place looks like, I'm going to choose whether or not to engage with you. These, these are these deeply ingrained cultural values that have seeped into the church. In fact, if you ask yourself, if you were somehow transported to another city, kind of like Mark, I'll use you as an example. Mike, Mark. Mark and Kathy move back here and they're, they're seeking the Lord on a, on, a, on a church. Many of us, and I'm not going to say this is you, but many of us, when we go and we visit churches, what do we carry with us? A checklist. A checklist of how that church is going to meet our needs. Okay? Now, I'm not saying there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But oftentimes, what's left out of that checklist, okay, uh, pastor, doctrine, statement of faith, all the good stuff, right? If you have kids, children's ministry, there's nothing wrong with looking at that. But one of the things that, that people don't Include on that checklist is, how can I serve there? What gifts and talents, Lord, may you want me to use at that particular place? Do you understand the difference? See, part of the, part of the, if someone were to say, well, pastor, I'm moving somewhere. Help me find a church. Okay, well, you can examine those things. But you need to be seeking the Lord on where he wants you. Where He wants you. Where He wants to use your gifts and your talents to edify that part of His body. Amen? You see the difference? Radical difference. Radical difference. And where does that flow out of? This understanding of fellowship, right? So here's how it works. Biblical fellowship, right? It says in your notes there, fellowship is based on a common relationship with Christ. The Bible says those who are in Christ, right? Fellowship, here you go, guys. Fellowship is primarily a relationship, not an activity. How many of you enjoy potlucks? You all better put your hands up here because you are the potluck kings and queens of this valley. Right? How many of you enjoy bowling? How many of you enjoy how many of you enjoy fellowshipping? Okay. Nothing wrong with activities that foster fellowship socialization but fellowship is primarily a relationship the activities flow out of that you see the difference 
Why do you come to church? Because I have a love relationship with God, and what I do with that church flows out of that relationship. Fellowship is based on everyone here. Put your hand up if you profess Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you profess Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you are in Christ. 1 John says you have fellowship with the Trinity by default. And by default, the Bible says you are now in relationship. Put your hand up again. Now look around. Keep your hands up. Okay, if you're a believer, if your hands up, you are in Christ. You are adopted into the family of God. You call Abba Father, right? So you have this vertical new covenant relationship. Put your hands up. Come on now. The Bible also says you are now in relationship with everyone who has their hand up. Uh-oh. Roll, roll, raggy. Right? Here's the thing. Let me put you down. Oh, Candy and Cindy, let's just use you. Go ahead. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Okay. And then let's add Steve to the mix. Come on, Steve. Put your hands up. Put your, put, your, put, your, put your hands up. Put your hands up. No, no, put your hands up. Okay. Now, here's how it works. This is the diversity and the challenge of the body of Christ. So you two are in Christ, right? So you have this, you're adopted into God's family, you're in Christ, you're, right? New covenant relationship vertically. He says, now you are baptized into the body of Christ. You have a relationship with every other believer. Now, for you two who like each other, that's like, yay! Woohoo! Yay! Then I say, and Steve's part of that. Oh! Oh! <laughs> I told you I'll pay you back. <laughs> he goes, he goes messing. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put this all back there. He keeps walking by, pulling it off my ear. I'm like, I'm gonna get you back. Fellowship is based on relationship. When you put, put your faith in Christ. You are in Christ, and the Bible says you become automatically part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12. It's not up to you. It's not up to you. See, I, I, was, I was debating on, the, on the, the title of this. The first title of this sermon was going to be, If You're a Christian, You're In. You're in. I shared with you before when I was at UCLA, I came this close to joining ROTC and going the military route. And I was this independent young college guy, and my, my brother and dad had been in the military, so I had a lot of, you know, encouragement to go that way. And I got there, I got the paperwork, filled it out, and I, there was this deadline, you got to turn it in. And I got there, and I was like, can't do it. Can't do it. Because I knew when I gave the recruiter the paperwork, my life was done. It was, I, the, the military now had me for however years that initial commitment was going to be, right? The privileges and the accountability that came with that commitment, right? Well, here's how it works, though. When you put your faith in Christ, you are baptized immediately into the body of Christ. You're in. You don't have this, do I want to? Do I want to? in the most blessed, wonderful way, you're in. Candy, 
Cindy. He's in. <laughs> and you can't vote him off the island, right? You can't, the tribe cannot speak, you know? There's none of that. You're in. You're in. So then the question becomes, Lord, if I'm in, because I'm in Christ and I'm in the body of Christ, what am I to do? What would you have me to do to further your kingdom in this place? You see the radical difference? Fellowship, biblical fellowship flows out of our relationship first and foremost with God and then our relationship with each other. With each other. Now here's the thing. Oftentimes, right, we understand this, and then if we're not careful, we create these categories where, where fellowship and care and concern for one another are just simply crisis-oriented. What I mean by that is, uh, over the past several years, you know, we've, we've had needs for agape meals. Many of you do agape meals. Some of you need rides. You guys provide rides for each other. Sometimes there's financial needs that come up. We... And the church, you know, that's what we do. We help when there is need. And then somehow we think that when there's no need, we can disengage from people's lives. Because everything is fine. Everything is good. Do you see? Do you see? Have to be, we have to be very careful with this. Fellowship is not limited to crisis. Fellowship is, it says in your notes, it's a joint participation. So, fellowship is relationship. Horizontally, fellowship is a joint participation. You are actively participating. We're in this together for a common goal. Not just to handle crisis. And that's where it gets a little bit uncomfortable. Because we can rally ourselves and we can make exceptions in our weekly schedule when there's a crisis. But are you saying that, so, so Cindy and Candy, you're supposed to be engaged in Steve's life even when there's no problem, apparently, no crisis, right? <laughs> right? And Steve, because you're part of the body of Christ, you're supposed to accept the care and concern and encouragement from Cindy and Candy even though there's no quote-unquote problem? Right? Do you see? The body of Christ, if we understand fellowship, it's dynamic, it's supernatural, and people are engaged in each other's lives all the time. All the time. Because we are part of a, something that's way bigger than any of us and way bigger than this church. The Great Commission says we are going to all the world and preach the gospel, make disciples, right? Who, who does that apply to? It doesn't say, hey, pastor. Who does that apply to? It's way bigger than me. It's all of us. Right? Turn to Philippians. Turn to Philippians 3. We looked at this verse at the beginning of the year. Philippians 3.12, the Apostle Paul. Says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on, right? 
You have to be engaged. You have to be proactive. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's talking about his process of sanctification. The ultimate goal of becoming Christ-like. He says, you know, I'm pressing on to become more Christ-like. How many of you are pressing on to be more Christ-like? That is your desire. First Peter says, be holy as I'm holy. How many of you? Okay. If you're comfortable, I'm not going to force you. If you're comfortable, stand up. If that is your, your desire. If you would say with the Apostle Paul, I'm pressing on to take hold of that for which God has called me. Just, just this. Okay. Why are we standing? You are standing because God did not design you to press on by yourself. You are not designed to be an individual Lone Ranger Christian who with the best of intentions wants to be holy, but it's all about me. And I don't need anybody. So, if you would say, yes, I, I want to be Jesus. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to be more like you, Jesus. As, uh, on this time of my earth, oh, I just want to press on. I want to press on. If that's your heart desire, look around the room because these are the people that God put in your life to help you get there. <laughs> Everyone say mutual dependence. All right, have a seat. Look, this is, that, this is that cultural value. This is that, that struggle we have in, 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 our, in our society. Self-reliance. Individual. Don't ask for help. You are placed in the body of Christ because we are mutually dependent on one another for the rest of our life. What does it say? What does it say in Corinthians? You don't have to turn there. It says this. It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You're all part of the body. One part of the body can't say to another, I don't need you. And yet many of us, even within church, kind of say that. I don't need you. I'm good. I got my own system. I got, I got my Bible studies. I go to church. I go to Wednesday night. I serve. I don't need you all. The truth is we do. We really do. And let's just, we're going to close. We're going to do a little bit of a survey. Right? So turn to Genesis 2. Genesis 2.18. We're just going to survey these verses before we go into. So all the way. First book of the Bible. How many books in the Bible? Only 66. Yes. All right. Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to what? Be alone. Turn to Ecclesiastes. Keep going right. Job, Psalm, Proverbs. Ecclesiastes. It's after Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes 4. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right. Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. 
You don't have to turn there. Proverbs 27:17 is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. 1 Corinthians 12:21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. See, if we're going to have fellowship, right? See, the, the title of your sermon is, is o, I play on words with OVCF, Ojai Valley Christians, all of you raise in, in fellowship. That's what OBCF is. We're Christians who live in the Ojai Valley, but we're in fellowship. Which means we have this vertical covenant relationship with God. By default, we have this covenant relationship with each other. And everything we do flows out of that mutual dependent relationship. Amen? That's what we do. Because we're all in need of each other to press on together, right? Through the, through the valleys, right? And, and to celebrate with one another. We are mutually dependent on each other. You're in the body of Christ. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're in. You're in. You're in. <laughs> right? And this is where, okay, so, 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 so we're here. We have this mutual dependence. And we're going to talk more about this next Sunday. But here's where it is. This is, this is kind of limiting. This is a challenge on Sunday mornings with our time constraint and the largeness of this to develop these relationships where we can get to know one another. We can really share our lives. And that's why it's important to have relationships and small groups outside of Sundays. Koinonia, sharing things in common, sharing our lives, really is best manifested and exercised in smaller groups. There's value to this. There is. But this cannot be the end-all, be-all to your walk with the Lord. As, as a member of the body of Christ, to experience fellowship koinonia, you got to be connected. you got to be connected. That's why men, and, and two Sundays from now, we're going to be at Robert's house. What's the point? Fellowship. Oh, you mean we're going to have food and joke around? No. Because here, true fellowship. True fellowship, okay? Is centered around the Word of God. And having discussions and prayer and encouraging one another in your pressing on to apply this to your life. That's where genuine, heartfelt koinonia happens. Betty, what's going on in your life? And we share our circumstances. We say, let's look, let's look at the Word of God together. And how can I help you walk through God in this time? You see, that's fellowship. That's fellowship. When you get together in a small group and you open your lives to one another and you say, oh, okay, so let's, let's look at the Word of God together, brother. And how, how, can I make, how can we help you make this Word of God real and practical when you leave here? That's when you'll see a depth of koinonia, a fellowship, a depth of relationships, a depth of maturity that just enhances everything we do here socially. It enhances it. Because outside of Sundays and outside of all the programmatic social events we do, you all are experiencing koinonia all throughout the week. And when we gather, it's really a celebration. Amen? That's what it is. That's what it is. Robert, if you would come up. There was a guy, Ted Malone. He had a radio show come on early in the morning. 
and his radio show was out there in Idaho. And this shepherd, this sheep herder out in Idaho wrote him, this radio show host, a letter. He said, will you on your broadcast strike the note A? I'm a sheep herder way out here on a ranch, far away from a piano. The only comfort I have is my old violin. It's all out of tune. Would you strike an A so I might get in tune? Malone honored the request. Later, he received a thank you note from the distant shepherd saying, Now I'm in tune. We fellowship. We love one another. Because life happens and we get out of tune. And we need one another to strike the note to bring us back. And sometimes it's a chord. There's, there's an A chord where there's a bunch of you that gather around somebody. And you hit the chord. And it's not just one person helping you. There's a chord around you. Helping you to get back in tune. Helping you to get through that valley. Helping you to go, okay, Lord, what does it mean to press on? What does it mean to walk in newness of life? And there's people around me who just hit the cord. Okay. That's what Sunday nights are going to be. Being around guys that just hit the cord with you. A place where you can come on Sunday and say, hey, dudes, I'm way out of tune. (laughs) Can you help me? Or ladies, you find a group of ladies. I know the group at Diana, Sue's group. We're in fellowship because we all get out of tune. Amen? And when we have relationship this way, and we have relationship this way, we experience what God intended. Koinonia fellowship. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us today what fellowship, biblical fellowship, is intended to be by you. Not just the name of a church, not just the name of a hall, not just socials, but fellowship is relationship. It's a covenant relationship with you, first and foremost. It's a covenant with other believers as the body of Christ. So, Father, this morning we ask your forgiveness if we've allowed individualism to creep in. If, if in some way, shape, or form we've told the body of Christ, I don't need you, we ask your forgiveness. Because truth be known, your word has shown us that we need each other. We need each other. Not just in times of crisis, but we need each other every day. Every day to press on in our walk of faith. We do need each other. And Father, we're reminded as we prepare for communion. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 says, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Lord, that word participation is koinonia. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. And so we're reminded this morning through this act of communion that we are one body. And as a body, we all need each other. In the good times and in the bad. We're in. We are in.
And so, Father, use this time of communion as we hold the cups to remind us not just of what you did for us, Jesus, but we are the body. And true fellowship flows out of that relationship. Relationship with you through Jesus. A relationship with one another. In true agape love. Amen.